Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, awesomes, and welcome back to another episode in our Extra Awesome series. You know, from time to time, we take a break from our regular schedule to talk to people who are doing awesome things in the world. But something we never take a break from is hanging out with all of you on Instagram. If you have not already, please do come and find us on Instagram. We're over there at Sorta Awesome Show. I let you know every single Friday when a new episode drops. We also share funny or thoughtful memes throughout the week just to bring a little bit more awesome to your Instagram feed. And also every Friday on Instagram, we are asking you all to share your awesomes of the week with us. So again, if you haven't found us there, we're super simple to find. Just go over to Instagram and look for us at Sorta Awesome Show. Well, Awesomes, I am so excited about this extra awesome episode because you are going to get to hear from an author and podcaster whom I know a lot of you already know and love. And that person is Ms. Annie F. Downs. Hi, Annie, and welcome to Sorta Awesome. Hi, Meg. Thanks for having me. And hello to all the awesomes. I love that you call us that. That is my favorite. Yeah, totally. Well, I cannot believe that this is the first time we have really gotten to sit down and chat. You and I have so many friends in common. We have traveled in the same circles for so many years. So it really is so awesome to finally get to sit down and talk to you, especially about the release of this brand new book. We're going to be talking all about that here in just a few minutes. But first, just a reminder, or for those of you who have not had the pleasure yet of meeting Annie, she is a best-selling author, a nationally known speaker based in Nashville. Her past books include 100 Days to Brave, Looking for Lovely, and Let's All Be Brave. And this month, she released her newest book, Remember God. Annie is also the host of the podcast, That Sounds Fun, with Annie F. Downs, which you can find in all the podcasty places. And she also loves, you know, just traveling around the country and speaking at all the events and the conferences and churches. And Annie, I have to tell you, I'm sure people have said this so many times, but That Sounds Fun is like the most Enneagram 7 thing I can think of. (laughs) (laughs) To title a podcast like that, right? Yes. I know. Totally. I love that. I love that. Well, and also, do you know the story? Do you know how we did it, Meg. No, let's hear it. Okay. You're going to die about this. Okay. So four years ago, three years ago, whenever we started, I think it was the end of 14, there's a fiction author named Ted Decker. 
And I'm a huge fan of his stuff. And his team reached out to me and just said, hey, Ted would love for you to interview him about his new book. Would you like to do that? And I was like, um, yes, a thousand times yes. And I said, where do y'all want to release it? And they were like, oh, we don't have anywhere to release it. Where do you want to release it? And I was like, uh, I don't, I have like a Instagram and a blog, right? And they were like, well, have you thought about starting a podcast? And no kidding you, Meg, I said, that sounds fun. And so I was like, well, there it is. We're going to call it That Sounds Fun. We're going to do one episode with Ted Decker and that'll be it. And that is four years ago and 150 episodes ago. And I am having more fun than I have had in a really long time. It's so funny how that stuff happens. It is so funny. That is an incredible story. I love that. It's know, right? amazing how these things come into the world and sometimes they just find us. And then and the next thing you know, you've been doing it for years. That's definitely how I feel about Sort of Awesome, for sure. Okay. Now, before we get into talking about the book, Speaking of you being an Enneagram 7, I, am. I have a lot of Enneagram 7 friends who wouldn't want to be friends with you guys. You're amazing, Thank you. right? I don't disagree with you at all. Everybody's like, we all want to be sevens. What do you want to be? I was like, yes. a seven. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is the truth. Our regular sort of awesome co-host Kelly Gordon is also an Enneagram 7. I love being around sevens. You all have so much energy. Here I am in Enneagram 9. Oh, and I, I have... Nines are so sweet to us. Y'all are like so compassionate towards sevens. I think nines are great. One of my favorite people I've ever dated, he was a nine. And what's great about nines is like, they will, we don't annoy you. Like we annoy some oh, other yeah. numbers. Y'all just think we're like cute, like puppies. <laughs> like nines just enjoy being around us. You can put up with us. When it gets to be a lot, you quietly back away. Right. It's a great partnership unless there's conflict and you're unhealthy. Yes. Because then a nine runs from the conflict and a seven runs from the pain and you never deal with anything. Pretty much. Meet my dating relationships of 2010. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can only imagine. Yes. In a dating relationship. And really, truly, it does crop up yeah. in friendships yeah. sometimes too. Like just that this is uncomfortable. I don't right. really right. want it. Let's just not. Oh yeah. Or, go there. or I mean, all over the place. <laughs> For sure. Well, Seriously, one of the things I love most about sevens is the energy that you all exude, the energy you bring to the world. You seem to have a like endless depth of energy within you. So I'm so curious. I have to ask you, as we are recording this, we are about to wrap up launch week for Remember God, your brand new book. It's a spiritual memoir style book. You guys, I just read it. I love it. It's burning up the release charts as we speak. I'm so curious, though. I talked to lots of my author friends about launch week. It seems very draining. How are you doing? How are you holding up energy-wise, enthusiasm level, all of that stuff? Here's the thing about me, Meg, is book launches happen on Tuesdays, and they go until Saturday night. Yes. And traditionally, for me, oh. Wednesdays are my Sabbath or my day off. Mm. And that was really scary for me this week because... I was like, I can't take a day off. It's launch week. Like you can't take a day off, even though everything else is in play. Like sometimes we move it to Saturday if I'm not working on the weekend, but this weekend I'm working. And so if I didn't take this Wednesday off, then I would have worked for something like 16 days straight, which is super unhealthy. And we work really hard not to do that. And one thing my pastor at Cross, in my church, Crosspoint, he always says, why do you think you can do more in seven than God can do in six? And mm. right, that gets me. And so, yep. and so I called my three best friends from my like lifelong best friends. And I said, will y'all please come to Nashville? We grew up in Atlanta. So they're like three hours away. I was like, will y'all just come spend Sabbath with me so I won't work? 
they have like 11 kids between them and the husbands all stepped in and were so generous and the husbands are parents, just like wives are parents. But they, I mean, it was really nice of them to take over for a full day just so that my friends could come play. Yes. And so I'm not as exhausted as I would be if I wouldn't have rested yesterday. But I mean, I deleted all my apps off my phone and we went on a hike and went on a really long breakfast and went to a thrift store and, you know, like we really rested and ate guacamole and, you know, we just took our time. It is exhausting. It's exhausting because you have to ask your people to do a lot of things. And you always feel like, should I be doing one more thing? But the reality is Christine Kane said this to me a long time ago, and I've never forgotten it. She said, God puts books in hands. And I believe that it's my job to be faithful to my publisher and faithful to the work because I am grateful for both. And so it is my job to make sure people know it exists. But at some point, my ability to reach humans is extinguished. You know, like there's an end. And with God, there isn't. And so I just go, okay, I've done everything I can do. I've worked as hard as I can work. And whatever happens next, God wins. And so I don't feel as exhausted as I could. I still feel tired. (laughs) Because also I'm doing radio shows that are like I'm doing live morning radio talk shows. So I'm starting every morning at like 530. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, and I'm single without it. kids. So if you think I see 530 on my own accord, you're wrong. I, that is one of the benefits <laughs> of not having children is I do not. That's for sure. I'm so glad that you're doing that, that you're really making time for rest. In fact, that reminds me, speaking of Enneagram 7s and talking about Kelly being an Enneagram 7, one of our most popular episodes on Sorta Awesome is her basically teaching us about Sabbath and about the importance of rest. It's a fantastic episode. And I think that's just such a good indicator of a healthy level Enneagram 7 is that they understand that deep need to like, rest and just dial it down sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to hear threes appreciate rest, right? And eights right? appreciate yes. rest. For sevens, the, we don't want to stop resting because we don't want to find out what's on the other side of the quiet, you know? Yeah. Like if we yeah. stop, well, I shouldn't say all of us. This is an Annie story. If I stop and I rest and I take Instagram off my phone, I take Twitter off my phone, I take email off my phone and I turn all of that off and I have to sit in the quiet, what yeah. happens then? I mean, I've had to like start plugging my phone in across my bedroom and I'm not kidding you, Meg, this isn't made me feel great about myself, but I mean, I will (laughs) plug it in and I will lay down and I will feel lonely immediately. Right. And then you go like, okay, feel that girl, like quit trying to fill it and feel it. But yeah, so sevens have to choose rest because it's painful for us at times. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I do. I love that. Well, I mean, we could probably sit here and talk Enneagram stuff all day, but we're supposed to be talking about. (laughs) We can talk about whatever you want, sister. This is awesome. Well, I really cannot wait to talk to you about Remember God. Like I said, I just finished it. I mean, listen, I am a sucker for a memoir of the spiritual nature that walks the reader through these spiritual revelations and things that you're learning along the way. It is my very favorite kind of books. I mean, I'm not kidding, Annie. When I opened this, and awesome, this is the absolute truth. When I opened the book, I was like, I'm just going to kind of like glance through it and then I'll come back and read it and get ready. No, I just sat down and I was in. I could not stop reading. It is so well written and so relatable. I think any person with who's lived some life is going to be able to relate to what you are talking about in this book. Let's talk a little bit. This is not your first book. This is not your first rodeo. You have written some books and you kind of even talk about in the past, you would have like sort of a reader in mind, a person in mind. 
that you're kind of speaking to. But this one, as it turns out, was a little bit different. I wonder if you could say more about yeah, that. Yeah, isn't that funny? So yeah, this is my seventh trade book I've written like that. So for trade meaning just a nonfiction, you know, 200 pages book. And every time I kind of ask God and ask myself, like, who are you writing for? And every time what I really do is I frame a picture on my desk so that I think about those people, whether it's friends or whether it's a particular audience, like from a speaking event. And on this one, I just couldn't find it. I knew I'd started the book and I kind of knew the outline a couple of weeks before, right at the end of the book. I'm not going to spoil anything because the ending is so fun. But right when I got back from Scotland and England, which is what the last chapter is about, I met up with my agent in California and we just were planning to outline the next book, but I didn't know what the book was. And before we start, I said, can we just like, I've got to tell you what just happened when I was in Scotland and England. I was like, you're not going to believe this story. Can we just go walk on the beach and I'll tell you. So we go walk for like two hours. I tell her the story and she's like, that's your book. And I was like, no, it's not. That's my personal life. Those things are different. You know, <laughs> like that's not how this goes. Right. And so then we ended up outlining it and she's so brilliant. She was like, hey, let's just like talk through it. You totally don't have to write this book. <laughs> and like, well, let's just outline the chapters, even if this isn't the book. And I'm like, yeah, even if it never turns into anything, let's just That is stay. pure witchcraft. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. It's not right. at all. So what ended up happening is once I started writing the book over the next few weeks of last winter, I realized I didn't know who it was for. And so I just started asking myself and asking the Lord, like, okay, if you're going to write a book about believing that God is who he says he is and believing that he can be trusted, who needs to know that the most? And I just like started crying and I was like, oh gosh, it's me. Like, I have to write this because I don't believe this. I have to write this because I am not sure God is who he says he is. It's like the chasm between God being who he says he is and my experience of God kept growing farther and farther apart. And I was able to straddle it for a lot of years in my life, but I was past that point and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to jump one way or the other. Either he is who he says he is or he's not. And I've got to decide what I think. Yeah, that's why I think this book is so relatable, especially for anybody who has grown up with and sort of has a lifelong history and story of faith that truly, if you have lived some life, you have encountered this. Like you said, I love that idea of that there was this chasm forming where it was starting to diverge. Yeah. And I think everybody hits that, right, Meg? I mean, for everybody, it can be in relationally or emotionally or in your physical health or in your career something triggers that crack in the ground mm -hmm. and it could become the Grand Canyon and you have to figure out what side you're going to stand on. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. Again, you know, as I was reading, I was just thinking of people in my own life. You know, of course I was thinking of our awesome audience, but I was thinking of people in my own life that I was like, oh, they, I need to put this book into their hands because it's such a common struggle. Like you said, it affects all different parts of life and so fantastic. Well, this truly, truly is such a very personal, authentic story of a year of your life and what you were experiencing in that moment. But you kind of draw in themes from different parts of your life, really. And one of the themes that you talk about that I just thought, oh my gosh, I mean, talk about super relatable. You talk a little bit, you give a little, you know, kind of insight into the fact that you struggle with polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS, which I know a lot of our awesomes either deal with this themselves or they, you know, have loved ones, sisters, moms, best friends who deal with it. 
I really love that this is the center point kind of in the middle of the book that you had this experience in your doctor's office that was... I mean, can you believe I wrote a book where I put two appointments with my OBGYN? Like, get (laughs) out of here. I cannot tell you how much I was like, well, if you wanted guys to read this one, you really nailed it down. Well done. (laughs) Nothing makes a guy in your life feel comfortable like reading about your appointments at your gynecologist. So super job. We need to let them in on a little bit of the mystery of what we go through. Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and you know, PCOS is so devastating because it steals hope. And that's what it does is it tells you, and a lot of body types are all different, but a lot of women with PCOS also struggle with insulin resistance and weight gain. And so you have this shame over what your body looks like, but then you also aren't able to get pregnant when you don't want to get pregnant. If you watch This Is Us, that is exactly what Kate is going through. The overweight daughter of the family has PCOS and they are struggling to get pregnant. And I think it's so beautiful that they gave her such a common disease among women because it feels so connecting. And so for me, it's, and still, I mean, it is a hard thing. I think the Lord has healed my body, but I can't know until I try to get pregnant. I don't want to get pregnant until I've met the man and married him that I'm going to spend my life with. And so I just have to live every day. Like, what does it look like to treat your body in a way that if you wanted to get pregnant, you could, and you believe that God's a healer? Well, I love what this little moment, like? this little insight you share with your doctor. And you were talking about, isn't she the best? Yes, Did you just like love I'm her when you read about her? Jealous. I know. We all want and need a doctor like that in our lives for sure. Just really meeting you where you are in a personal level. And those appointments can always be a little uncomfortable because yeah, the topic of weight comes up. You could guys had been kind of talking about that. And I love that she said to you, well, it sounds like you have found your sweet spot and that that just really landed with you. I mean, you write about getting tears in your eyes when she said that I got tears in my eyes. I think all of us kind of, especially as we get older, this is a thing that we're like struggling. I don't look, my body doesn't look the way it used to. It's done some things in life for sure, but it doesn't. That's right. Some things have happened to this body. Exactly. (laughs) And the idea that we might just eventually land on a sweet spot that is not what we thought it was going to be, but yet it can still be the sweet spot, like just settling into a moment. I love that. And I think it really can apply in a variety of contexts too. Right. Because you know what's true is that if you are in your sweet spot relationally, how would you invest your time and money differently? If you were in your sweet spot physically, how would you invest your time and money differently? If you're in your sweet spot in your job, like if this is the best job you're ever going to have, how are you going to do tomorrow different? And I was like, my gosh, I can buy expensive jeans. I've never bought expensive jeans before because I always was one decision from going up or down into a different size. And then I'm like, well, if my body's going to stay here, like if this is as good as it gets, it doesn't look like everybody else's body, but if this is as good as it gets, I'm going to yes, buy nicer girl, jeans. Yes. I believe in that so, so much. I absolutely do. Yeah. I mean, I have to wrestle that down and I say this in the book, but I had to wrestle that with being single. Like what if, please, Jesus, tell me this isn't the end, of, like that I'm not going to get married. But what if for 2018, my sweet spot was singleness? Did I live every day like I'd bought the expensive jeans? Do you know what I mean? Like I had done, in a sense, bought the jeans, right? Like, right, a, right, not right. literally. The metaphorical expen- expensive jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did we metaphorically buy the fancy right. jeans? That is the question. 
And so I'm just trying to see if I'm doing that well and if that's true and right. And I'm trying. I'm not, I'm still not great at it. Here's the thing, Meg. Why don't we get to write books and do things that we're really good at? Right. Like, let me write a book on folding a fitted sheet because I am seriously good at it. I'm not great at any of this stuff. I'm still getting it. You know, like I still can catch myself being cruel to myself in the mirror and then go, hey, you would never say that to anyone else. Why are you saying that to yourself? You know, and so I'm, le- I'm well, still learning that's the so much. Perfect segue. Another thing that I really wanted to ask you about this concept of allowing yourself to kind of be a beginner and to engage in something that's new and challenging for you. I love that you talk about kind of discovering and really getting into the groove of practicing yoga. I know we yeah. have a ton of awesomes who are super into yoga. Lots of fans of yoga with Adrian in our listening audience and, you know, either yeah. online practicing yoga at home through online teachers or finding a local yoga studio, which you have a local yoga studio yeah. and have taken up that practice. I'm wondering. Next time you come to Nashville, you have to go to Inner Light. They are so fun. It sounds amazing. It's all hip hop and fun music. Like a couple of weeks ago, the entire class was Dixie Chicks. Can you imagine? It's oh my so gosh. fun. It is so oh, fun. That's the yoga class that's meant for me. And they for just sure. switch different themes every day. And you just go on their, their Instagram and always tell you like, hey, here's who's coming this weekend. We're going to have a Drake day and a Dixie Chicks day and a Paul Simon day. And then you're like, this is the best yoga studio in the world. That is what I need because I'm just going to like little mini confession here. I have tried yoga so many times and I know like I understand as I'm saying these words out loud that what you're supposed to do, like one of the main points is that like you are connected in body and mind. My hangup is that I just get bored. And I know you're supposed to like sit with the boredom and like, you know, do, you know, really engage with that. I understand that. So it was sort of the point, but the idea of doing like a Dixie Chicks yoga class is. Yes, that's it. That's, I can't. I mean, I can't do the normal quiet yoga. I don't enjoy it at all. But when you do music, I can sing to. And music that I've really loved and you're helping my, now they still get you to be reflective and thoughtful. And as a person of faith, I also handle that really carefully because I want to go to a studio that they don't have to believe everything I believe, but I want them to give me permission to believe what I believe and not force me into certain kinds of spiritual practices. And I know there are some people who, because of their faith, don't do yoga at all. And I totally respect that. But the studio I found has really made a place for you to come in with your beliefs And so I can connect with God every class in a really special way, even if it's Dixie Chicks. I'm telling you, when we were doing Cowboy Take Me Away, I was crying, like a real tears crying because I was stretching and stretching my hips and feeling all my feelings and singing about wide open spaces. I mean, it was serious, man. That's actually, now that I think about the lyrics to that song, that's kind of perfect for some really challenging yoga work on the mat. I mean, that's kind of perfect, but I would love to hear sort of just some lessons that you've learned on the yoga mat. You know, you're like, well, as it turns out, this kind of applies to my life outside of the yoga studio. I mean, so a lot of what I've experienced at Inner Light, the different yoga I've done, we try other places too sometimes, but kind of one of the things I have taken into my life is that holding a plank or holding a position is actually what makes you stronger. And I need that in my spiritual life. And I need that in my emotional life and in my emotional health that it's not always moving on to the next thing that's going to make you better. And, and there is something about, there's just this permission of practice that happens in good yoga studios. I know it doesn't happen everywhere, but in good yoga studios, 
you have permission to practice. And as someone who is not a size two, I mean, I'm just going to tell you the real truth, Meg. As someone who's not a tiny girl who wears tiny clothes, some classes at gyms can be intimidating for me because I'm like, I don't want you to watch me. <laughs> like, I don't want you to be like, oh, look, she showed up. Like, I don't want any of that. I don't want special help. I don't want you coming close to me. Like, I am healthy. I work out a lot. I am in my sweet spot. Don't act like it's my first day at the gym, right? And inner light and yoga, just even the feel of yoga and Pilates of like, yeah, this is a practice where you're not going to be great at everything, but you're going to keep coming back and you're going to get better. That is how this goes. I really love that. I find that it, we have a boxing studio down the street from my condo as well. I find that there too, is that I am allowed to get better at this, not expected to have it all together from day one. So those are two really big takeaways for me that I see across my life of like, yeah, you're allowed to practice at everything. I sat at dinner last night with a married couple and another single buddy of ours. We're really good friends and he's in a relationship. And we had a conversation like practicing yoga last night where we were like, okay, what does it look like to practice this one emotional skill set? And like, are we practicing communicating well? And are we practicing how we do this particular thing really well. And he was relating it to his past relationships, saying like, well, I know it was, I'm doing it better than I did it there, but I don't know if I'm doing it as well as I did it there. And I'm going, yeah, we're all just practicing yoga, right? Like we're all just practicing all the time. No one is finished. And do we give each other, do we give ourselves and do we give each other permission to practice at being human? Or are we asking everybody to be in the world series of being human, you know? Oh my gosh, Annie. That gave me chill bumps because that is a core belief that I hold is that we have to give each other space and grace as we are co-humaning on this planet together to work out becoming who we are, who we are becoming, who we're meant to be, all of those things. So I love that. That is really and truly powerful. And I love that it came to you in the midst of trying something new and then, yeah, really sticking to the practice of it. That's beautiful. Love it. Okay, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about a specific part of the book, but really at the outset of the book is kind of you unraveling your thoughts and your experiences of is God kind and how does he show up in kindness in my life? And so for anybody who's like, this is all great, but what is the book actually about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we love that we're getting to hear y'all be friends. Is there a book here? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And the answer is maybe, but actually we just are enjoying being friends. Yeah. So we're not here to do anything but to be friends. We do that so while around here cool. and lots of girlfriend chit chat about all kinds of things. But really, you guys, I really want to convey to you that this book really does explore that. Annie, like, like I said, with all openness, all transparency, you know, sometimes you and I being part of the sort of circles of Christian publishing and Christian social media and those types of things, sometimes we do get the message that's already been cleaned up and sanitized and wrapped in a beautiful bow. And, you know, one time I did have a struggle with what I believed about God, but then it all worked out great. Yeah. <laughs> but look how cute my house is and look how handsome my husband is. And my kids haven't misbehaved since the day they uh -huh. came out. Yes, exactly. And I really love that in this book, you really do get into like the truth of what it looks like to wrestle out a question about God himself, which is a huge and also, I think, universal struggle that lots of us can relate to. And truly you do that so beautifully. One thing I super love about the book is that there's different motifs that come up throughout the book. One of them that really spoke to me was this backdrop of cathedrals. Annie, oh my gosh, the cathedrals from beginning to end. And your little Catholic heart loves that, huh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
I would love for you to just tell just maybe like a few like little snippets, like a few little photographs of how cathedrals kept coming up, but do not spoil the (laughs) end. I'm for sure not going to spoil the ending. But to be fair, did the ending just blow your mind? That was the moment I just was like tears down my face, chills everywhere. But then also the very, very last chapter of the book is, hey, wait, I still don't have everything I want. And so yes, what do we do about that? Right. So I don't want people to think that we tied it up with a book. I didn't. No, no. And in fact, that was the hardest part of the book to me was, oh, no, all my friends have been along for this ride for 200 pages and it is not going to end the way they wanted it to. What do we do? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know where it was going towards the end. I was getting super curious about it. And then I was like, oh, this actually ended perfectly. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so but yeah, give us a few little snippets of how cathedrals kept popping yeah, up. So cathedrals. Yeah. So they just were everywhere, really, for me. I went to Scotland and had been to Scotland a lot, and they have more cathedrals than we do here. And, you know, my church is like a cement box, right? Like it's like an old warehouse. And it's beautiful, and God does beautiful things here, but it is not a cathedral by any stretch. But from the beginning of the Bible, you see over and over that people mark their moments with God by building something, either an altar, a stack of stones, a cathedral, even in modern life for me, it's Spotify playlists. And it's my journal. Oh my gosh. In my office, a wall that I'm looking at right now is this black wall of chalkboard paint. And all over it, I have taped pictures of my people. And this is a cathedral to me because they remind me of who God is. These people remind me. And so that's what cathedrals do. You know, like you're not going to look at a cathedral and be confused if it's a cathedral or Ikea, right? Like, you know, you know, it's a cathedral. And the reason they were built in most cases, of course, there's like all the old 1200 AD stories of money being involved and all the things that I'm sure is true. But also they are built to help us see an invisible God, right? So six days a week, these people, all of us live in our normal lives and we are away from that building and our lives are forever trying to convince us of who God is. And so once a week, we get to come back to this place that has not changed that is the same, that is strong, that reminds us of who God is. And cathedrals just have done that for me over and over again. And the cathedrals in my life, some of my relationships and my playlists and my journals remind me over and over again that actually God is kind. Actually, he is everything that he says he is. And if I will see my life through those glasses, it's not fake. It's just saying, if I know you're kind, I'm going to look for that and it'll change your life. Absolutely. I love that. You said exactly what I wanted to say about cathedrals. I have to tell you, I had never been inside a cathedral, an actual real cathedral, until this past year when we did come into the Catholic Church. As it turns out, the main cathedral for Oklahoma City, for the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, is literally blocks from my house. So I feel like there's like this huge metaphor. I didn't even realize it was there. I've driven past, you know, it's like kind of tucked away on a street that we don't always drive down, but it's literally like I could walk there. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) That's a pretty big metaphor. You just love it. What was your experience like when you went in it the first time? It was amazing and completely brings you into a feeling of sacredness. And I think you're exactly right. It is when you walk into a cathedral, kind of regardless of what your personal spiritual belief is, you can't help but to sense that there is a sacredness about it. You mentioned the the 1200s. I mean, really the medieval period or the Middle Ages, that was sort of the height of cathedral building glory. 
you know, most people, most Christians couldn't read back then, of course. Widespread literacy, it's a very new thing in the scope of human history. So when people went to the cathedral to go to church, the church building itself was teaching them about who God is and about his story of salvation for people. You know, everything from like the crucifix to the altar and then like the stained glass windows, like people learned actually they didn't have a Bible to study. So they would study the stained glass windows and the stories from the Bible and from church history. And I just love that. You said exactly what I have found to be so true is that it makes an invisible God present to us. It's a tangible experience of him so that even in those times when we are struggling and wrestling and kind of just trying to figure out who he is and how he's involved in our lives, we have an actual building that even if you aren't feeling it, like you can go and experience his presence in a sacred space, which I love that. I love that. That's right. And so what does it look like for us to build cathedrals in our lives that remind us who he is. That's what we have to do. Exactly. You guys, like I said, we're not going to spoil the end, but the last chapter brings it all together. I love that you said you look back at Spotify playlists. Oh my gosh, Annie, I can go back to some Spotify playlists and be like, I was going through it in that moment in time. Yes. Right. You know, what's so funny is people are always like, will you share what you're listening to on Spotify? I'm like, no, that is like showing you my journal. It's I'm very like, personal. In a year, I'll share it and you'll think it's brand new. But trust me that I have already worked my way through it forwards and backwards, right? I mean, it is, it's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, and sometimes like during Lent, there are certain times of the year where I will build a playlist for the purpose of sharing right away. Like, yeah, they're like journals to me. I just have them around on my Spotify. I love that. I just relate so much. So Okay, I'm going to let you go because I know you have got lots and lots going on in the midst of all this book launch stuff. But before you go, please do tell everyone, first of all, where we can find Remember God because you all are going to want to go find this. And then where can we just find you all around the web? Yes, perfect. So Remember God's everywhere where you buy books. Your local bookstore is always my first stop because I love that we still have local bookstores in a lot of cities. And Barnes and Noble has a bunch. Amazon has them. I mean, that's kind of the order I usually go in personally. And so you can find them really anywhere, whatever makes you happy. I know if you're an Amazon Prime person, get it because it is great. So anywhere that there are books being sold, you should be able to get it. Your local Christian bookstores everywhere. I am embarrassingly easy to find. I'm Annie F. Downs everywhere. F is in fancy, like Reba's song. I might have been born just plain white trash, but fancy was my name. <laughs> so Annie F. Downs all over the place. That's my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my website is AnnieFDowns.com. So anytime you need me, that is how you can find me. So fun. I love that you have it all simplified. I mean, it's so easy. Yeah. Do you know what? There's another Annie Downs. Ah, uh-huh. And she's a very famous quilter in Australia. Can you believe this? Not to be confused with the Annie F. Downs though. So yes. Yes. Well, so that's why we use the F everywhere because we want to make sure that we're making space for the other Annie Downs to have her quilting empire. And I will be Annie F. Downs. Well, you all can find me all around on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. Don't forget the show is on Twitter, Sorta Awesome Pod over on Twitter. And like I said, please do find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Annie, again, thank you for taking the time to come by and talk about this book and all the other things we got to talk about today. So fun. Oh, thanks for having me, Meg. I love what you're doing. So I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you all for listening and we'll see y'all next time. 
Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.